Hello again, I'm Miriam Felton. Welcome to Yarn Stories Podcast. Today's episode is a conversation with Kristen Ford, owner of Wolf Oak Yarn. Wolf Oak entered the yarn world with a bang and quickly became the darling of wool lovers everywhere. Wolf Oak's yarns are based in ultra-fine merino wool called Ultimate Merino that's raised in Patagonia, which is the name for the southern tip of South America, covering the southernmost part of Chile and Argentina, down to the Strait of Magellan. Basically, it's the bit of South America closest to Antarctica. Ovis 21, the producers of Ultimate Merino, are a collective of producers, professionals, and technicians dedicated to regeneration of the Patagonian grasslands, which includes avoiding overgrazing and keeping businesses based there sustainable. Wolfolk, named for Kristen's grandmother, Catherine Temple Wolfolk, currently has seven base yarns, and they're adding new colors twice a year. The fall-winter color palette has a gorgeous brick red that I'm head over heels in love with. But before we jump into the interview, I want to let you know that the audio is a bit different. I recorded with Kristen in an Airbnb across the table from her. And as with many instances in this first season, I'm learning as I go. And so now I know that I really need microphone isolation. So please forgive the times when we talk over each other and the slightly echoey sounds. These are things that I can usually edit out when I have a phone conversation, but because of the crossbleed between the mics, it wasn't really an option this time. So I know better now, and I promise in future face-to-face episodes will be better. Kristen also mentioned some people offhand in the interview. Rich is her husband, and Javier is her farm manager. So here's Kristen. I'm here with Kristen Ford. Hello. Hi. I'm here on the Savvy Island, actually interviewing across the table from Kristen, so the audio might be a little different. Please forgive us. First off, let's get some groundwork done. Um, Ultimate Merino is the wool fiber that you're working with, with wool folk yarns. What makes the Merino wool so special? It's from Patagonia. It's from a collective, Ovis 21, that has a forum on land preservation, restoring the grasslands through the use of sheep. And they've been training farmers to do the correct type of rotation of crops and also working with the genetics of the sheep to do like an ultra-fine merino. Yeah. And um, the scale pattern, if you look at it through a microscope, looks more like cashmere. And if you've ever touched the wool, it's pretty much indistinguishable. Yeah, it's really luscious. Yes. Uh, So less less spiky scales, more fine scales, and a little hair. More elongated. And then the micron count is 17.5, which is on the super low end of Merino. This is their ultimate Merino. That's what I take. And I've got an exclusive for hand knitting yarns, which is great. So anyway, and they have an end of life program for their sheep, which I think is also... Wait, so retirement for the sheep? Yes. So like, because sheep will get as they get older yes. so at, at what point did they did they retire the sheep um they keep them on the farm yeah uh, most of the aging sheep in the world are sent to the middle east on ships where like more than half of them die on the way and they just yeah. throw them overboard okay. the ovis farmers will not do that so yeah. they have a separate 
place where they get to die in old age. That's awesome. Which is, so yeah. they just keep them separate flock-wise, yeah. so they get sheared separately. Yes. Because they would still need shearing every year, but then their wool just wouldn't right. meet the Ovis 21. Right. Requirement. And they have lesser grades okay. of yarn. I, I yeah, you have the exclusive the for right the now. ultimate. That makes sense. Wool folks' origins are really twofold. You're going for a finer merino wool and working with OS21 for sustainable grasslands in Patagonia. So how do those two goals work together? That is That's, their platform. Yeah. Yes. But I mean, like, what do they do specifically for, for they, making them work? They're training this co-op of farmers to farm correctly, which okay. is not intensive grazing. They rotate yeah. the herd yeah. so that the grasslands can be restored. Okay. And so, because sheep... Sheep clip grass, right? Yes. So they're 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 good for grazing uh, yes. fields, but you can overgraze but, easily, yeah. and then yeah, because they'll, they'll if they're stuck in the same field, they will keep eating until yeah, they get to the until roots. they yeah kill everything yeah, and just rotating it, you know, allows the the crop to restore the grasslands. It's natural yeah. grasslands down there, but it's yeah. also there's so much wind and erosion that you need the grass to keep you the need dirt in the place. grass. It's there's a yeah. I don't know if you know about the Savory Institute, but they're a hub of the Savory Institute, which has nothing to do with food in spite of, <laughs> well, it actually does, but it's, it's a really interesting platform and it's about trying to restore the planet yeah. through the use of hoofed animals and correct grazing practices, as That's well right. as a lot of other things like the filthy fashion industry. And <laughs> so it's, yeah. there's a series, Alan Savory is, the brain behind it, but it's a it's a really interesting forum, and I've gone to a couple of their programs as a speaker and also as a participant. So it's it's something to look into, and I would love for you to put the link to yeah, there. We will absolutely do yeah, that. Good. So, how did you get hooked up with this Patagonian source for the wool? And have you been there to see their ranching? I haven't yet. Maybe next year. I've I've got to get everybody out of college and you know quit studying abroad and things like that. So, (laughs) but um, and the best time to go is February March because they're done with their you know it's the opposite season. So we're talking about going next February. But um, a friend of mine was helping out his brother in law who was involved with financing and had some land down there, and he brought a cone of what I thought was cashmere (laughs) in and said, do you think hand knitters would be interested? And And I'm like, yeah, it's really nice cashmere. And he goes, well, it's not. And I started talking to him about it. And I said, where are you having it milled? And he said, in China. And I'm like, wait, you've got this really great sustainable product and you're sending it over there. No, 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 no. I, and I, was at the time like mm, I don't I don't know I I don't know if I can help you and yeah. and my husband was like just do it you know you can do you know you you can do this yourself so I bought a ton and said yeah. worst case you know you never have to buy me yarn again right <laughs> <laughs> yeah and um, I had connections with the mill in Peru so at least it's on the same yeah. continent and um, so I brought it in I can't remember is that three or four years ago and was sold out by I brought it in in September and yeah. was gone by the end of the year yeah. so well it's glorious so yeah I love it I'm lucky I'm, yeah so um for people who are not familiar can you explain where Patagonia is it's the very very tip of they're in Argentina mm-hmm. it's, Patagonia crosses over yeah 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 but it's, it's a whole it's a it, whole the area very tip in that, yes yeah. Oh, South America. Yeah, and it's it looks. I can't wait to go. Yeah, it looks glorious. <laughs> yeah, it does. And there's like huge landlocked salmon 
Uh, so my husband's also pretty excited to oh, go. Oh, to go fishing. Yeah. Nice. Ricar- I work with the two men I work with, Ricardo and Pablo. Ricardo has red hair and blue eyes and, you know, he's oh. of Scottish descent. Uh-huh. Um, but his family has been farming down there forever. And Pablo Borelli is Italian. And um, they are very serious about the genetics of the sheep That's and right. have done a lot to well to get to get that fine of a merino they would have had to do a lot yeah. of like breeding um within you know existing merino flocks of like selective exactly pulling the the best you know micron counts the the sheep that were producing the best fleece yeah and that's i mean i pay a premium for it but they're making the lives better down there and it's it's better um there's also no blowfly so if oh, anybody nice. wants Blow to know creepy yeah if so, you if you want to be terrified go onto youtube <laughs> and look up blowfly larva yeah. like oh god they, yeah. they hatch in skin and then they come out and it's super creepy so if yeah. you're one of those people that finds that like disgusting <laughs> and you make you want to vomit don't go look at it yeah. but you know if you're fascinated by gore and things like i am yeah <laughs> Hashtag mulesing too. It's like, so there is no mulesing. There's again, like end of life. They do, you know, they eat, that's their livelihood. They eat the lambs. That's, you know, there is no whole foods in Patagonia. So. Well, and you know, it's a sustainability thing for the people that live there. Right. And the people that work in conjunction with Ovis 21, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty great. So um, speaking about the health of sheep, there was a couple of years ago, there was a PETA report about Ovis 21 um, and Ovis 21 supplying farms. So the yes. independent farms that were supplying Ovis 21. Um, so how did that affect uh, wolf oak and your business? Well, everybody but me pulled out of the Ovis. I mean, Patagonia pulled out because they were getting death threats on their website Damn. from the lovely you know, kind, kind people of the world. Uh, Everyone pulled out but me. And I didn't because I feel like there's more than one side to every story. And I wanted to hear their side. And one of my customers said, and with PETA, there's at least three sides to every story. And that's, I really appreciated. None of my retailers pulled out. Um, we waited until we got the whole story, yeah. which we did, yeah. which was there was a plant and he introduced himself to somebody that he wasn't and mm-hmm. probably paid someone 50 bucks to probably. say, how fast can you skin this sheep? Yeah. And it just, you know, they made, if you look yeah. at the footage, which is hideous, there's clips from North America. There's clips from Australia. You can tell because yeah. there is once again, there's no blowfly, so they don't uh-huh. mules. They put together, but they targeted Ovis because yeah. they were selling to a big company, yeah. Patagonia. Yeah. So Patagonia continued to sell their wool products that yeah. they had, but they just don't yeah. market the link. So I understand. I understand that you know the desire for animals to be treated kindly, and I think by nature of what we do, we're okay with products from animals. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. You know, I don't see knitters out there who are only knitting with acrylic yarn because right. they want to save animals. Like, you know what I mean? I I see the relationship between humans and animals as a symbiotic one. Like, you know, we've number one, we've bred sheep to need shearing every, right. you know, year or six months. And so we need to we now are required to shear them. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. so we've we've built a situation in which we are forced to be involved in these animals' lives. Yes. So Doing it as humanely and as kindly as possible seems like the best answer. Exactly. Me. Do you know what I mean? And and 
you know, it's great that there's no blowflies or botflies, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Down there. That's fantastic because those things are wicked. Yeah. But we've bred these animals and domesticated these animals to eat them and to use their products. And I have no problem with that. Like, yeah. so you know, by nature, I obviously don't either. Yeah, right. So by <laughs> so. nature of the, of the situation, I think that PETA is already, you know, exaggerating wrongs. I've never, I've, I have, I have issues with PETA. Oh God, tell me about it. Well, and like, you know, I love so, me my leather belt too. I'm right? sorry, you know. Well, and, a, and a responsible farmer to get good wool needs healthy sheep. Exactly. You know, so like, I, it's it's reasonable for us to be on the lookout for things like making sure that the sheep are not being like dipped in toxic chemicals. Right. To keep them healthy. Right. You know what I mean? Like, because the toxic chemicals aren't good for us. You know what I mean? So, like, uh, you know, there's there's a balance in there with us finding organic wool or finding, you know, wool that was raised humanely and, you know, stuff like that. Like, I'm the pod, this whole podcast is about understanding the chain, the supply chain, and yeah. where everything comes from and whose lives are touching it. Right. So... It's not going to stop me. Like, none of this stuff is going to stop me from using wool. It's just going to inform the choices about the exactly. wools that I use. Exactly. And I get a certificate with every batch batch that I buy. I'm buying 10 tons this year. A certificate from which herd it comes from. And, yeah. you know, fortunately, mine was not traced back to the one herd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which really doesn't matter. I mean, yeah. it, well, again, it was nobody loves... It, as a farmer myself, nobody loves their animals more than the farmer. Yeah. And there's no way they're going to jeopardize their livelihood. Yeah. You know, with to shear a sheep fast and yeah. have someone, I don't know. It's well, just, the thing is, you shear a sheep and you nick it, it's, gonna, it's more likely to have infection. It gets mm-hmm. infected and then the wool is brittle and right. it's going to break in the processing. And it's like, it's not cost effective. No. Like even straight from a business perspective, it is not cost effective to hurt your sheep. Yeah. So, like, I already have things against PETA for that. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, even, even if you're, like, putting aside the morality argument... It's not reasonable. No, it's not. For for a farmer to hurt the sheep. No. Or any know. animal. Yeah. I've, I've got like my herd of Highland cattle that, you know, yeah. <laughs> the nicer you are to them. I've got a bull that is so gentle because yeah. I hand feed him all yeah. the time. And, you know, he's a sweetheart. Yeah. So I, I can be out with them. I'm not afraid. There's there's one one girl, Beyonce, who's not very nice, but the rest of my my mom cows will let me walk up to their calves, yeah. and they're fine. And yeah. you know, we do. I am not 100 percent organic because the when we started doing the Highlands are an old breed. Yeah. Um, they don't get sick a lot yeah. because they've got like a you know a yeah, old good system. gene yeah. system, and they've got a really thick hide, and they haven't been super bred for no. particular things that no. would leave them. They're smaller. Open. They're easier on the pasture. Yeah. We rotate the pasture. They have tiny babies. Like I've probably pulled two calves out of like. 300 that have been born on the farm. Yeah. So most of the times I just look out and say, like, is that, is that my dog Somebody Robert? Or is yeah. that, you know, is that like, Oh no, that's a new black calf. So, <laughs> um, but that's what the first year we were doing it, we were going to, you know, become certified organic. But then we started thinking, wait, but they eat grass hay and we, we hay our neighbor's front lawns, yeah. you know, basically it's like, I doubt that certified organic. Yeah. Um, well, and organic certification is a whole like a kettle of fish. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's <laughs> I've read way too much Michael Pollan. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. well, and you know, it's all about money. 
yeah, when it comes it down is. to it instead Completely. of being about, you know, actually taking care of the animals. Like right. I'm okay with the, with an understanding that if an animal is really sick, you're going to give it something like exactly. antibiotics. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like, cause oh, you I lost healthy my, animals. my favorite cow to liver flukes, Julie, yeah. the, the first year. And because the deer bring them in, the snails are an intermediate host. There's no way to get around it yeah. except for Ivamec Plus, which yeah. is not an organic not product. Organic. So we do that once a year. We don't do it on the steers we're going to slaughter. Yeah. And But I've got a healthy herd. Yeah. And that's and we take care of pink eye and, you know, just the respiratory. We do vaccines once a year. And yeah. they live to be... I just lost Janelle, one of my favorites, who was 19. <laughs> oh, nice. 19. That's a, that's a good 19. Life for a and like they have rings on their horns. Their, their oh, horns. So you can count how many yeah. they are like trees. You can, yeah, that's they get a ring great. with every baby, basically. Oh. It's like a push present. So, and she had 14 rings. So she, you know, she, she was a great cow. Babies she's given yeah. birth to. That's amazing. So she had a lovely, I mean, I've got like a picture of her with her family around her. And I, what you yeah. don't see in the picture is my husband salivating. It's like, look at her rack. Like, that's going to be a beautiful mount. Like, Stop. <laughs> you know, I'm out, like, hand-feeding her. Yeah, yeah. He's you like, know. yeah. Like, is she gone yet? Because that, that looks so good at the cabin. I'm like, Stop. <laughs> Your newest yarn is Luft, mm-hmm. which is a bit of a departure. It's a Pima cotton chainette that's stuffed with the ultimate exactly. merino wool. It's organic yeah. cotton. Yeah. Because so, as it should be, because, you as know, it should, it's, why not? Well, and because, you know, cotton's, cotton's pesticide in, it, impact is yeah. huge. So, like, if you can do organic cotton, like, that makes a big difference in the pesticide load of the yes. earth. Yes. Um, so, what hurdles did you face adding cotton to the line? Like, not, uh, well, to- finding organic cotton in Peru was surprising. I thought, uh-huh. like, why, why not? Sure. So, I, you know, worked with the mill, and he's like, well, it's kind of hard to find organic cotton here, exactly. and I wanted to use their cotton since yeah. the mill's there. And like, yeah, why yeah. pay? Well, and why pay? You know, freight for, for yeah, exactly like crazy yeah. amounts of stuff. So he he researched it for me and found it. Um, it's very limited in palette. Yeah. So it's either the white or gray okay. as the cage. So the um, yeah. the the wool takes the color yeah. but and there was also it was pretty new machinery from him. So there were like some of the early. Lots oh, were not consistent. Yeah. yeah. So we we happily return, replace yeah. anything that has a problem. But well, there because was, you have to have a consistency in your brand. Yeah, you exactly. Exactly. And I, I really don't question it. <laughs> I'm supplying one of the magazines and uh, Ashley Yowsling, hi. <laughs> I sent her some snow and she's like, I'm so embarrassed to to ask this, but like mice got into my snow. Can I, can I have more? <laughs> and, and usually if it's like a lot of breaks like that, that yeah. I mean, it's happened to me. So yeah. Yeah. And moss, but mostly mice here, I think. So yeah, that's yeah. fair. There's an awful lot of field. Yes. Um, yeah. I, I used to live um, in a, in a place that was next to like a field um, and in like kind of high desert Utah. And we, every fall, we would get mice that came into the house yeah. and they chewed through the middle of my favorite dress. Oh no. And I was oh like, God. as a kid, and yeah. I was like, <laughs> yeah. I was super sad. There's no love lost for no. me with mice. Like if a mouse is inside of the space, I will kill it. Yeah. I oh. will like grab whatever I have at hand and it's dead. Yeah. Like my space, your space. Yeah. Your space is outside. Right. My space is inside. Don't you come inside my space. They, they got the sweaters that my, oh. gra- my grandma knit me no. and my sister no. that I was saying, you know, it's like, you're gone. I'm yeah. sorry. I hate no, you. sorry. Yeah. Yep. You're horrible. You have forfeited so, your life. Yes. Like the little color work sweaters that, oh, well. 
material oh, no. goods. They're gone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have another sweater that I knit and it was on tiny needles. I knitted a long time ago, like before, you know, I had kids and had a lot of brain power, but um, I had a litter of puppies that just ate the neck and there, oh. I keep looking at it and thinking, how could I read? And there is no way, there is no way you, you could. Sure? Mm, yeah. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> It was like a mock turtleneck. Yeah. With I, I mean, I can't imagine I could do it as a V-neck. It was a Donegal, Aaron. But yeah. I, I keep thinking about it, looking totally at it, and it's discontinued. I mean, it's like super could. old ruin. ruin I'm, so wall, I'm so. doing a bunch of, like, mending and weirdness. If you want to show it to me, I could probably yeah. make something of it. Okay. I will. I'll fix it up for you. So. Okay. Okay. It's kind of a, a dolman. You yeah. Know? Okay. Nice. <laughs> Um, so, uh, yeah, so this, you had to, with the milling, you had mm-hmm. to, um, first find the, the source for the organic cotton yes. and then, um, and then you went through some, some consistency issues yes. with the milling. And, um, so he had to get a new piece of equipment for the chainette. It's an Italian piece of equipment. They yeah. had to fly someone from Italy to show them how to nice. work how the settings. The so, and there, it, you know, this is, I love my mill <laughs> and I mean, he's, responsive, um, almost like a business partner, you know, I'll bounce something off him and he'll say, I wouldn't do that. And it's like, you know, I, so he's been a really, you know, very responsive and they will credit us for any problems that they cause. So, so do you, uh, do you communicate with them in Spanish? No. Okay. Oh no. Raul went to college in, uh, California on a tennis scholarship, but he's, and I mean, he's not exactly what you would think a, a hand knitting mill, rep would be but yeah, just but, he's know. a wonderful guy and he comes up every year and you know we serve him smoked salmon and oh that's great so he comes up here and you mm-hmm. plan stuff and yes. you know work through stuff and when and i go to patagonia i will stop there yes for sure <laughs> yeah because if you're going all the way down there oh, why yeah. wouldn't you stop at the yeah, it's kind of halfway i'll rest up in arequipa that's yeah. awesome so uh you live in portland on a farm which mm-hmm. actually is just up the road from where we are mm-hmm. now talking uh so you, yeah you're living the life that we want to live can you tell me a little bit about your homestead it's, it always sounds like it's like the life everybody wants to live. No, you know what though? A lot of people it's romanticize so much work. it. That's the thing. Like I'm fine with it being work. Yes. Like we're, we're working people. I want to work. Me I too. But I want, for me, it's about like the work is secondary. For me, it's about, it's about having a connection to the seasons and the land. Exactly. Which is why it's worth it. I mean, that's, yeah. we, we bought 25 acres and, when we first bought it, someone else was running Angus on it mm-hmm. and which was fine because we got the tax deferral and I get to live on a beautiful place and have a giant garden. And then uh, they started feeding leftover restaurant waste. And it was kind of before mad cow was mm-hmm. yeah. a big buzzword, yeah. but it stunk. I mean, it was like yeah. 90 degrees and you are smelling rotten onions. And it's like, wow, that looks like somebody's leftover, you know, hamburgers. Yeah, and like, yeah. what are well, you doing? Like, you know, rotting vegetable matter is yes. one thing, but rotting meat is rotting a whole other everything. Thing. Rotting yeah. bread and every yeah. I mean, just awful. So, you know, we with no farm experience directly, except like I my grandpa was a farmer in yeah. Nebraska, so and Rich worked at a farm in Canada in summers. So it's like, well, we can do our own cows. And so I started researching kind of cows for starters yeah. and ones that would be easy to raise and yeah. you know, kind of looked at Dexters and Highlands and we went with Highlands. Um they're and really cute. they're really cute. They are <laughs> really healthy animals. Yeah. They are easy on the pasture they're smaller they tend to be docile like they're yes you know, no they are except for so. my one cow well, yeah but like <laughs> most of them are i mean my kids used to ride their bikes in the pasture and yeah. 
you know, I'd like when their friends came over, I'd drive out there and like Julie, the one who passed away, would yeah. stick her head in the car window so we could pet her. And, yeah. um, and there, and you know, I, the other decision was like, I, if I'm going to have kids, I don't want them eating crap when they're little, especially, I mean, I yeah. feel like the older you get, the more, well, I can have a little, you know, a couple of tater tots. <laughs> I love me my tots. Go to McMinimins. Get the Cajun tots at McMinimins. They're so good. Yeah. So, but when they were little, you know, it's like I, your bodies need good stuff. So, you know, I, I think in third grade when Anna said, um, can I take some of our beef to the slumber party because I don't want to get mad cow disease. It's like, well, maybe I overdid it with them. But anyway, they they had good food growing up. No, it's kind of rude though. Like, are, are you, yeah. Yeah. hi, I've got my hamburger here. <laughs> I don't... Just, just I, it as a yeah. You're like, hi, I brought the hamburger Yes. You. Can you, can you make, make your spaghetti with this, please? So <laughs> anyway, so that's... We uh, got up to... Started with four... Um, we weren't going to have our own bull, but they're pretty hard. They have a silent heat, so an AI is pretty hard with that's artificial insemination oh, yeah. for the, yeah. the um, yes, uh, and semen straws don't work that well. So, well, cows, cows. There's a lot of tract there that you need to like get through. Yeah, to, exactly. To yeah, yeah. Now we the one time we, the vet that was chain smoking while he was doing the AI. Oh it's like, God. come on, you know, in the hayfield barn, it's like, I'm getting a new vet. So yeah. anyway, that was, uh, so we got a bull, which has never, we, one time it was a problem was we were, we have to rotate the bulls so that we don't have line breeding or inbreeding. And we had two bulls at the same time. And really that's the only time we've had any conflict yeah. for the women and Scotty Pippen, uh, Gord Keith and he was fine, but it was just like kind of a disgusting thing yeah. of maggots in there. So that that's when that's the glamorous farm life, you know. It's like you know helping Javier leach out a tumor full of maggots that you know. So whatever. Um, that's you know that's what it is. That's life. yeah. And sometimes they get old and die, and that's yeah. awful too. And for a long time, I was not going to eat any of the females, so I was kind of becoming an old folks' home. And then yeah. now I I draw the line at anybody who's, you know, I have my reproducing herd, yeah. and then we have heifers and steers. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, steers are bigger, but I think heifers are maybe a little more tender. So oh, that's fair. Yeah. The testosterone in there. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. So we, speaking of testosterone, we castrate, but we do yeah. it when they're about a year old, yeah. which they get better growth. Yeah. And um, it's interesting to watch their reaction. <laughs> I'm always like, they, they like, whoa, I, my brain. Yeah, I, I feel so different. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like I'm in, out in the pasture and something just happened, but I'm not really sure what it was. And I'm and not angry and yes, about it. I, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to enjoy how beautiful that that hay looks so (laughs) yeah so that and the other uh farm crop which was another so much work but again I got to I was an architect before I had kids and tried to do that when they were little but I felt like that was unfair to everybody you know it was unfair to have my kids in strollers with electrical wires hanging all over it was unfair to my clients to have someone who is not completely focused so I gave my firm to the guy that was working for me and it's still in existence but I got to stay home and raise them and Uh, the other fun hobby farming thing we did was hard cider. And we uh, started with 
a thousand trees that we bought in Michigan and they're all on dwarf rootstock. So they're small. And then I think the second block was when my husband took me to the home orchard society and said, I'll watch the kids. You need to learn to graft. You know, you're good with your hands. Like, Oh, your knitting skills, like your fine motor skills. You need to be the one. I've still got scars all over. (laughs) But, and then he bought me a thousand rootstock and, uh, it was the year he turned 50. So he went bone fishing with his brother and yeah, left me and with two toddlers happy. and a thousand rootstock. But I, I got pretty good. I got like a 90% take. And awesome. we got cyanwood from Washington State University that was French and English apples. So oh, most of them are not good to eat. They're, yeah, well, the, you don't want yeah, them. No, you, know, you don't want, no, the you want the tannins. It's like a, yeah. a wine grape. Yeah. So for cider, you need a, you need a like not eating apple. They're usually right. harder. They're usually less juicy. Yeah. Um, and they're, they're more tart. They're bitter, bitter. too. There's like yeah. a but bitter then, sharp and a bitter sweet. There's four components. They have sugars in them to ferment. Yes. But they don't have so much sugar that the cider comes out sweet because you want a dry cider, yes. not a sweet cider. But nobody really did like 20 years ago when we were well, I mean so we bottled was, yeah yeah I mean this market for it is weird but I'm really yeah. glad that there's so much dry cider now yeah they, finally people who need to eat gluten-free so exactly uh, so, you know, oh I'll give you some I've got some oh. some 20 year old cider oh but God, I, I you know yeah I was the labeler I was the we, we bottled and it, back then, it was like the only time people wanted to buy hard cider yeah. was in the fall. So like yeah. from, which was when we were harvesting, when we were bottling and pressing and, and, pressing, and you know, we fermented for a year, yeah. like and wine. You need to clear out the, the barrels right. and the, you know, the, the yep. fermenting vats and for. And hand label stuff. all the bottles. That's I was awesome. the labeling machine. Oh, oh yeah. God. It's it's a lot of work. And, and then standing in Whole Foods saying, no, it's not supposed to taste like Martinelli's. It's hard yeah. cider. Martinelli's it's is hard is cider. Sparkly people, apple juice, not yeah, cider. no, it's like, do, do you want your wine to taste like Welch's? No. So it was anyway. So we went to one fancy food show down in San Francisco. We were invited to go down because there weren't many hard cider yeah. producers, yeah. and Alice Waters was one of the guest uh, speakers. Nice. And her assistant came over and she said, Alice loves your cider, it's the only one that tastes like French cider. Yeah. So we did that for a couple of years, and then, um. And and we bottled it like in a wine bottle, so it, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. it's in wax, hand dipped in wax, nice. and it was beautiful. And Whole so you Foods still got and, the uh, you know the cider orchard. We Go still on. have the cider orchard. Yeah. We had an offer of someone to buy all of our beautiful stainless bottling equipment about the time when, when we were both deciding like. I'm not sure this is going to, I mean, yeah. you know, we are not making money doing this and it's yeah. great that it's a hobby, but it's like, but this it is, labor of love. it was a labor of love. love. Yeah. Exactly. And, not because, and good because, yeah, we, you know, also, you know, basically yeah. gave Javier a house and a good life and he was raising a family too. So yeah. it was a win-win for all of us, but we had an offer to buy the equipment and to take all the apples that we yeah, produce because we have the unusual varieties. So yeah. now we sell to Swift cider. That's a Portland cider okay. and they have several varieties, but one of them is using just our fruit. That's so great. yeah, awesome. but it's still a lot of work. It's still like yeah, yeah, yeah. picking and pruning 5,000 trees, especially That's the pruning, trees. pruning. And Holy there are now, you know, 20 year old trees. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> it's a lot of work. Yeah. So Yeah. But I get to live here. Yeah. So do you um, do you feed the like the waste apples or the cider the pomace. the, the, pul- the pulp we, after we feed, to feed the, cows. the pomace to the cows, which That's they love. Perfect. Yes. 
So, and anything in the garden that's yeah, old, right? like because the cows eat that yeah, stuff. they and it keeps them tame. They love yeah. the they love the corn. They love the left, you know, the Brussels sprout stalks oh, and stalks. the leaves. Yeah, yeah. Nice. so well, and like it's it's a whole cycle. So any any nutrients that are coming out of the waste of the stuff, you know, all your waste stuff is going back into your your land because right. the cows process it. Right, like it's. And then we've got like a giant pile that I add to my garden yeah. of well-aged. Very nice yes. cow shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And the pumpkins at the end of the year, they have a big giant pumpkin party. So then I get like occasionally, you know, weird pumpkins popping up in the field. Yeah, so. that's so great. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So um, conservation is clearly very important to you. Yes. What other <laughs> conservation efforts do you support? Mm, trying to think. Well, I'm in Portland. Farm. Yeah. Yeah. Portland we is- recycle everything, yep. of course. Um, we are big on hunting and fishing and foraging. Yeah. And eating whatever you you know. My yeah. my son bird hunts on the island, and my husband, and that's we got a freezer full of goose and a oh, couple so of quails nice. and. Yeah. So, and we fish right now. We're in the middle of. I don't know if you've seen all the boats out, but it's the spring Chinook run is going by. So, I have a very sleep deprived roommate who gets up at four thirty every morning before (laughs) he goes to work. And yeah. So anyway, so we've got a freezer full of salmon too. So and crab. We we spend a lot of time at the coast. Well, so the one thing that's really exciting about this area is that there's so much versatility and you know bioavailability here yes you know um like you're you're about a half an hour from the ocean mm-hmm. so all the crabs and all the like you know shellfish and stuff like it's not far it's no. within easy drive um and and like you know you're you're raising animals on this land you're giving back to the land it's it's cyclical but it's also sustainable right and this island is unique because it's zoned agricultural. Yeah. And it, fortunately, you know, knock wood. I can't. You can't. You can't. <laughs> knock wood. Uh, it will stay that way. It's yeah. it's the biggest uh, landlocked, or what is it, freshwater island yeah. in the country. And it's 900 people. Yeah. And you can't subdivide. We got lucky with a 25-acre parcel. Okay, so there's the, different the thing that you zoning. Were in with. Yeah. Like, okay. So. And there were two buildable lots. So we built Javier a house, and we sold the other one to a neighbor and said, "Don't put a house on it, but you can put your horse on it." Okay. So that I mean, we it, we just we don't want neighbors, <laughs> you know, except for Javier and his yeah. family who are awesome. So it's um, it just I. I am so lucky to live here. It's, yeah, it's a beautiful place. Yeah, it it's is. Gorgeous. And I hope it stays this way. It's yeah. not that fun in October because the entire city of Portland comes to get their pumpkin. Oh, I see. On, and usually it's like there's one nice weekend that everybody yeah, decides. That so it's a parking lot. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it take, I'm a mile from the bridge. And it, I remember almost missing soccer games when the kids were little because it was like, oh, I'm going to allow an hour and a half to go that mile. And it's like, yeah. oh, that wasn't enough. So, yeah. yeah. So... But other than that, it's yeah. great. Well, and so, yeah, if you were, you know, once once you don't have to, like, go in for school runs or anything, yeah. then, like, it's kind of the perfect place. Yeah, you just be. hold up. Right? Just yes. like, we're going to... I got of, enough you know, yarn. I got a ton of yarn. Right. Why, where do I a need to go? Full yeah, of stuff. I've got hard cider. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm good. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So you've been generous enough to give away. Mm-hmm. What would you like to give away? 
Yarn? How about yarn? Yeah, yarn's good. Okay. So, right. um, a skeins of yarn. How about a set of shade cards, too? That's wonderful. Okay. Do you have a particular yarn you want to give away? Or should we let people choose which one they want? I think two skeins? we should let them choose. Okay. Sorry? So, two skeins of any wool folk yarn that you would mm-hmm. like. And you get some color cards, which yes. are super fun. I love color cards so much. Um, my favorite thing to do with color cards is actually to cut them up so okay. that... So that you have like little tiny like swatches oh. of all the stuff, and you can like mix and match and put different ones I'll next give to you each other. Some too. Oh, that'd be okay. awesome! Yeah, um, I love I love cutting up color cards because like you see different things when you put different colors in different together, orders. In different yeah. orders. So I really like to like basically play like dominoes with my color cards. Uh-huh. Oh, you sound that's like... That's how I do. Yeah. That's, I mean, the colors change so much they depending do. on what they're next yeah, to. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, and like, um, Wolf Oak's colors, I find really interesting. They're, uh, like, they they have depth. Um, so they're clean colors, but they also, like, you know, they'll read differently. Like, different if your gray light. stuff reads differently in a different yes. light. Or if you put it next to, like, a purple, it reads completely different than if you put it next to, like, a green. Yeah. You know? So there's there's interest in the in the color rather than being a flat color. I sit with them for a long time. Yeah, I put them sure. out. Or like, my, my kitchen table is, like, lab dips yeah. for, I, I mean, because it changes so much in the light. Yeah. And that's like what you have to look at and that's you know like i like one in the morning and then it's like oh my god no what was i thinking that's foul like no god i'll tell you the hardest for me was color 18 that because i am not a pink it's don't use that word no (laughs) i am very much not a pink you know person but it was like i'm never gonna do pink but it's like my daughter was like, you need to do like that really grayed out millennial pink. And I was like, no, I don't. I don't like pink. And then, you know, she came home with something and she goes like this. It's like, oh, well, that's hardly even pink. So, yeah. you know, I kind of like would look for, I send the mill scraps of fabric or, and then like say, can you add like 20% gray to that? And then maybe yeah. I'll like it. Yeah. And so it's, again, it's like it's a, whole a back and forth yeah. process. And that's again how, and I, I do a lot of melanges too, because yeah. I don't really like the flat, well, flat colors. Because like, it's so much more fun to knit with something yeah. that changes a little under your needles right. than a single color. Right. So um, I knit a uh, an Amy Christopher's pattern. It's a, I think it's called Moth Cardigan. Um, in in Wolf Oak, um, this, the like fingering weight two-ply. Uh, tinned? Yes. Yes. In tinned. Um, in black oh, for God. a friend. <laughs> Because you're so brave. Well, so she's a really good friend. <laughs> yeah. Like she, you know, she she asked me. I knit for her a lot. She's actually Amanda Jarvis, who okay. owns Lawrence Laces at yeah. Crosby. So, um, she she bought the yarn and she really wanted a sweater out of it. And she's just not a fast knitter, and it would take her forever. You know. Yeah. So and like it's black. Yeah, and it's black. But so she was like, you know, I bought this beautiful yarn. Would you knit me a sweater? And I said, sure. And she said, wait, <laughs> you need the full information. It's black, but it's black wool folk. And I yeah. was like. I would knit anything for you. So, and, yeah. Yeah. But by the end of it, I was kind of like stabbing my eyes out. You know? Oh, no. I remember my grandma, Wolfolk, yeah. grandma, who taught me to knit when I was five, had, and it was always knitting, but she had gone to Ireland and got black fisherman wool and yeah. was making herself a coat. And oh, I just remember like the words coming out of <laughs> her. It's like, never again. I will not ever yeah. knit with, why am I knitting with black? Yeah. So, yeah, but it, it was beautiful. Yeah. And, like, she put the, these the really cool good buttons. It, but, like, yeah. You, know, you just have to I know. I love black sweaters. They, yeah. yeah. We re-knit one of Julie Hoover's sweater, the Kogel sweater in yeah. black. And it's like, I want 
I want that sample. Yeah. I would wear that every day. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the, the usability of a black sweater is unmatched, but, you know, the knitability of it's a little yeah. frustrating. <laughs> we have one awesome sample knitter right now, Aneta. You know who you are if you listen. And <laughs> she is so fast. I mean, we're like, okay, Meredith is going to go to TNA this year, and she's not a fast knitter either. It's like, yeah. well, just pick something and have Aneta do it. Yeah. So, because you got you to represent, you know. Yeah, yeah, right. Somebody saw Annetta at mm-hmm. Joanne's buying an alt light because because <laughs> it was a black sweater, and it's like, oh my gosh, that's terrible. I'll buy it for you. That's awful. Yeah, it, it didn't line. You know, it's like yeah. five days later. Here's the sweater. Yeah. So yeah, you yeah. really need like that's the thing. Yeah, you need you need lots of really really good light if you're knitting a black sweater. Yeah, or just don't care like I do. Yeah, or, or knit a stockinette. <laughs> do stockinette and you know? do it in a movie theater. Yeah, that's, right. Yeah. I just, you know, I basically put on a marathon of something and I just like yeah. run through it just because I can't, like, if I sit there and look at it, I'm just going to no. get so stabby. No. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So there's a question that I ask everyone in the first season. What is your everyday superpower? Oh, gee. My everyday one is probably, um, is it knitting related? Because I can knit, uh, yeah, I can knit behind knit. my back, but that's like probably <laughs> more of a habit than, you know, and I do knit in movies all the time. You know, since yeah. I was five, so I can't help it. It's a nervous I, twitch. Yeah, I yeah. picked up knitting much later, but yeah. Yeah, I, can you sit and could you watch a Netflix without knitting? I mean, I could no. not. There's I just no start, way. I start like picking at my fingernails or like I would, I would probably take up smoking and weigh like <laughs> 700 pounds. I mean, I just, yeah, I'm the same way. I split my ends, you know. Yeah. It's just, I think it's, yeah. So that I can I can wiggle my ears too. Nice. Uh, I can wiggle just one too. A lot of people can't do that. Oh, no. So I, I think can... that's pretty super. You know. Yeah. Can you wiggle your ears? No. Kind of. I read somewhere it's like it, we're less evolved maybe because people used to be able oh, to maybe. prick their ears, off. <laughs> oh. <laughs> which kind of makes sense. But well, and it's probably just about the muscles, like yeah. the muscle usage. You know. <laughs> She's wiggling that's her just ears the right. right now. That's just the right. Or one ear. There's both. <laughs> It was a big, big hit at all the awesome. yeah, kids' uh, birthday parties. Mom, um, do also, your tricks. <laughs> I can also touch the tip of my tongue with my nose, not like underneath. Like, oh my gosh. I have a really long tongue. Oh, wow. People, um, wow. Can you put I'll... your fist in my, your mouth? Because my sister no, can do that. I no, my I hands. have jaw problems. So yeah, like, no, so Kit has like, she had a big, beautiful smile, no braces required. And yeah, yeah that was her party <laughs> trick. So. That's awesome. <laughs> Well, thanks, Kristen. Thank you. This was fun. <laughs> Get yourself to the website at yarnstoriespodcast.com to enter the drawing for two skeins of your choice of base and color from Wolfolk. You can mix and match anything you want. Plus, you'll get a set of shade cards, which is just super fun. You can cut them apart like I do. And while you're there, check out the show notes for links to all the stuff that we talked about. This is the last episode of the first season of Yarn Stories, and I hope that you've enjoyed it as much as I did making it. And if you're feeling a little sad at the prospect of not hearing Yarn Stories for a few months, you should definitely check out the Patreon at patreon.com slash Miriam Felton. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash M-I-R-I-A-M-F-E-L-T-O-N. 
I'm already working on content to bridge the gap between the seasons that will be available only to the patrons. So at only $3 a month, you'll get that content. There's a really easy RSS feed that you can subscribe to once you're a patron that will bring that extra bonus content right to your pod player of choice. As of recording, the Patreon has reached two goals, so I'll be able to pay our experts for their contributions, and the podcast is now paying its own fees, which is so great. The next goal to reach will allow me to travel more for the podcast and to gather video and extra content firsthand. Thank you to Lee and Claudia Brilliant, Carly Anderson, Rachel McNamara, Erica Kuntz, and Danelle M. for their contributions. You guys are just the best. Thank you again to all of our guests from season one. I'm not sure yet how long I'll be off for the break, but in the meantime, keep making stuff. You can follow me and all my making at Miriam Felton Knit Designs on Facebook and on Twitter or Instagram at MimKnits. That's M-I-M-K-N-I-T-S. And again, the address for the Patreon, if you want to get some cool rewards and all that bonus content, is patreon.com slash Miriam Felton. You can follow the podcast on social media via Facebook. Search for Yarn Stories Podcast with no space between yarn and stories. Twitter at Yarn Stories Pod or Instagram at Yarn Stories Podcast. This podcast was produced in Salt Lake City, Utah with production help from Sid Fallon. Music is by the ever elusive Breakmaster Cylinder. Thank you for listening and I'll see you next season. Hey, babe. Hi. What you doing in the closet? <laughs>